When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hook'em Up with E and Rod B Playoff Recap Show on The Horn is presented by Hayes City Store and The Taste on Main. Welcome back to Hook 'em Up with E and Rod B. My man E is uh, uh, actually uh, breaking things down, probably getting ready to hit the road here uh, in a couple of hours on his way, like a lot of Longhorn friends, back to their home, back to Texas, back to Houston, back to Austin, back to Dallas from New Orleans, where they had a Longhorn revival of sorts, uh, a fellowship event down there for the Sugar Bowl. Unfortunately, it did not turn out the way we all was were hoping, which was uh, with a Longhorn W. Longhorns lose to the Washington Huskies. Huskies are headed to the national title game. They will be playing the Michigan Wolverines. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, the Huskies here in a second, but let me not waste any time introducing my co-host for Hook up with Ian Rod B today because my man Ian Hogan, uh, Aaron Hogan is uh, on his way back to Austin. Patrick Davis, who is the host of the Sports Complex, you can catch it weekdays uh, right here on the Horn 1019 and AM 1260. You can catch it from 4 to 6. That's the new time for the Sports Complex. So Patrick Davis is hooking us up and we appreciate it because, man, you up early. This is not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you don't get used to getting up this early, man. No, no, not especially when Mm-mm. you came up and working in the nightlife and working at clubs. Oh, and- yeah, that's right. You're a band. Yeah, you're a band. Band yeah, guy, you like yeah. traveling with bands. That's yeah. you guys go basically. You guys are on New Orleans kind of time. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> it. I was, I was having this conversation with the with the with the guy with the sound guy. I know that he was like, he's like, my dad still doesn't get. I was like, so like, yeah, work hard. It's just people don't understand. You're working hard at two a.m. loading out from clubs and and breaking oh, yeah. down equipment and stuff. And it's like I got in that mindset. and I've always been a night out kind of guy. So yeah. Getting up and but you know what it's we were we were hoping this was gonna be a happy day but I'm, we'll come in we'll get it done and mm. and then I'll come back and we'll do the show this afternoon and we'll hit the text line up on the afternoon show and, and get everybody's reactions yep. and I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna replay some of this too I might take a nap during the show who knows <laughs> <laughs> you think that but the show's gonna fly by because I think all we've talked about pretty much today we devoted the entire yeah. show uh, to kind of the post mortem of the Texas Washington game and I I still got stuff that we haven't really talked about or haven't gotten into so I'm still I'm sure we'll do that as the week goes on um, but man there's so many different storylines to this matchup between Texas and Washington and the different variables and factors obviously uh, that that played a huge role in Washington Washington win the game, Texas losing. You know, one of the things I just saw that I thought was really interesting, and, you know, we talked about third downs for both Texas offense and the Texas defense defending third downs. They want to be really the Texas offense, I think, that their inability to put them to put themselves ahead of the change or stay on schedule, I think really was detrimental to their overall yeah. rhythm on offense. Okay, they were six of eleven. On third downs, that was also a fourth and 11 they went for, obviously, on that last play of the game that didn't work out for them. So they ended up 
um, essentially six of, if you will look at that third and fourth downs, I guess they end up six of 11 on money downs, period. Um, but six of those, sorry, six of those 11 money downs, I, I said that wrong, are third and seven plus yards a game. So they ended up actually, Texas uh, overall, they were actually, like Washington, they were pretty bad on money downs. They weren't great on the money downs. But where Texas was bad on the money downs is because most of their third and longs uh, were early on in the game. And by the time they got to a point where they could get themselves in manageable third downs, they actually, it was too late in the game, and then they were playing from behind. So then they were throwing the ball on early downs anyway. So that's really what hurt Texas is third and seven-plus yards to go. They just could not convert those. As, as a matter of fact, uh, 54% of all their third downs were third and longs, and most of those uh, were third and 10-plus yards to go. Texas only averaged 2.9 yards per play on first down in the first uh, quarter, that hurt them because that all, that made it inevitable that they were going to be in third and long, and that's the down where Washington's defense were able to throw exotic looks at Quinn Ewers. They threw a lot of different simulated pressures at Quinn Ewers. They really confused them on those third and long situations. That was half the battle for Texas, and unfortunately, they failed. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure, like, Sark today and watching that film, I'm sure laying in bed last night, he was like, man, if I would have known what that game plan they were going to throw at us. I would have ran the damn ball. Yeah. I would have ran the ball because we they're averaging over six yards a carry. Six yards We're not going to be in any third and longs if every first down we pick up six to seven yards. Yep. And if he would have known what that Washington basically was going to sell out to stop the pass and not the run that he thought it would go the other way, he probably would have run the ball a lot more. Uh, but, you know, that that's hindsight of his game plan and the script that we – Found out was apparently longer than the first half. Forty plays now. This forty plays. Is? Thirty-six plays in the first half. Four of those were punts. So it, <laughs> but I think that's crazy because you never hear about it. it was twenty like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. When he got here, now it's forty. And most teams are ten to fifteen. Twenty was already a longer script than a lot of people had. Yeah. So is he doing that because of uh, early on in his tenure here at Texas, he had those big leads and he couldn't close teams out. And they basically the script was giving you twenty plus yeah. point leads, and you were losing that lead once you had to go off script and then you know obviously win the chess match within the game, the battle of adjustments. So is he deciding now just to lengthen the script? I don't know. And it may be is that just, the whole point. It may that? just be you know having his guys ready, and he has forty plays on the script, but it's not necessarily we're only going to run twenty off of it. But I need to walk, do my walkthrough with my guys over okay. and over on those forty, because just in case, just okay. in case, because we need to, those need to be executed. Wow. However, if you're saying, "Well, we did that," and then the execution was not what it was with the false starts and mm-hmm. the holds and everything else, then yep. maybe you need to shorten that 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 script again going into uh, 2024. But it it, it it just it seemed like everyone was pretty uptight at the beginning of the game, and. You know, that may have been issues of, you know, knowing Keelan Robinson was not going to be able to be much of a factor mm-hmm. with his hand. Maybe knowing that Xavier Worthy, we don't know. There's no reports on what his injury was, but it, it would lead you to believe that he was not returning a punt in one of the most crucial moments in Texas. I don't know why. Last, in the last decade of Texas football, maybe one of the most important punts. I don't know why he was returning kicks with a cast on his hand. No, I'm saying Xavier Worthy, though. I'm talking, I'm talking about, I thought you were talking about Kill yes. Robinson. No, Kill Robinson. Robinson, I think, and I, I mean, but that one too, I don't know. 
that don't know seemed, why he was back there. That seemed like it was because Jane, they were worried about Jane Blue getting blown up and they needed him more in because C.J. Baxter was getting beat up, which I know I've seen a couple of people talk about today uh, about him getting hurt. A, a year, an offseason in the weight room and strength and conditioning from Texas is going to do that kid a lot. He's needed. He needs. He, he needs, needs it. Back. He needs body. He needs armor. Yes, uh, and he, he just doesn't it. have it right he, now. Yeah, just, he came yeah. straight from high school where he was able to run away from a lot of guys mm. and didn't necessarily take the hits like he did. Yeah, he, you know it's going to happen. That's why. It's why a lot of true freshmen don't. Yeah, excel at the running back position because you got to have a grown man body. You have to be calloused yeah. up to a certain extent, yeah. and that comes like you said, weight room, putting on the right type of weight. Yeah, I, I, he'll be fine. I'm with you. Yeah, on that. and so that yeah, he'll continue to get better. But that was. Uh, you know, it, it it may have been that issue with Sark of why they didn't run the ball too. That he felt that he could not run the ball with those two guys and give each of them fifteen to twenty carries a game. That's that it, just that, on that, the fact. That's a miscalculation. Then I think you have Sark. to have somebody. Then <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, I understand that because listen, it, it seems like when they go into these Alamo Bowls yeah. against Washington, they went against the Alamo Bowl against Washington, and when they went into this matchup in the semifinal versus Washington, they had injury issues at running back both times. Yeah. Right, you had post Bijan and Rojo when you played in the Alamo Bowl. No Bijan and Rojo. Then Jonathan Brooks, he was a little banged up in that game, so he was on a pitch count. And you didn't even play Jaden Blue in that game. It was the Keelan Robinson show, and I think we were all a little underwhelmed at the Keelan Robinson yeah, show. Yeah, and that was and, yeah. What with the, the there was the hernia injury or something like yeah, that. that Jonathan and there Brooks was, was dealing with. Yeah. There was just a lot going on. And this season, obviously, Jonathan Brooks, your Doak Walker Award, you know. Front runner before he got hurt, uh, he's out. And then you have Keelan Robinson who was dealing with yeah. the injury, so he wasn't available to you on offense. So you were just dealing with Jaden Blue and C.J. Baxter. So I can understand, and maybe you wanted to be careful about the usage of those guys because those are only two backs that you're willing to use at this point. But when I'm telling you in the first half, guys, and take away the two-minute drill in the first half where Texas uh, scored a touchdown right before that, take that out of it. If you just look at running back runs, traditional running back handoffs in the first half, Texas was averaging over eight yards per rush. Damn yeah. near nine yards per rush. That's before the two-minute drill. So everybody yeah. wants to go to, well, the, 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 the running backs fumbled and Sark may have lost a little trust in the running backs because of the fumbling. I get that. I totally understand it. Or Texas was down. Double digits. Once you get down double digits, you have to abandon the running game. You got to throw it to get back in the game to score points. I get all that. I'm talking about before that. And I'm talking about before that, limiting the possessions, limiting the plays, playing keep away from the Washington offense, which was just, uh, they were just eating up and heating up your secondary. They just exposed your secondary. Why would you allow your, your defense to stay on the field when you can actually play keep away, keep that offense off the field and keep your defense off the field and just convert and put together long, sustained drives? Essentially, what they did to you. Yeah, and not only that. They didn't do it with the run game, but they did it by staying on the field for long drives. Why would you not want to put yourself in second and short? And I get you want to go, well, first down we want to get the ball and we want to throw it. I go, I get it. And I, but you have to change that philosophy. When, when it wasn't working. When it wasn't working and how well your running game was working. That this is the time, let's go ahead and start putting it out there and going and run the ball and starting. I mean, you'd be second and three, second and four, and – that is so much more manageable, and it puts Washington on their heels now where they may have to step up and start guarding the run, which they never did. Mm. There was never a point in that no. game where Washington changed their philosophy, and I think at some point you had to kind of push that uh, the narrative that we will just run down your throat if you're going to let us. 
And they were letting you. And I they mean, let that, you. They, oh, said yeah. they, were, they were defending. They were basically deciding they were going to allocate resources to win the numbers battle in the passing game, which makes perfect sense. And they were going to let Texas win in the win in the running game, and they were going to rally to the football and tackle the football, which actually doesn't make a lot of sense because they were the third worst tackling team in the Power Five, the most yeah. missed tack- the third most missed tackles in the Power Five, and Texas was really good at forcing missed tackles in the running game, and yet for some reason Sark and and I'll and I'll say I go back to a statement that was made by the defensive coordinator in the Alamo Bowl last year when he said that Sark doesn't have the patience. Yeah. To march down the field with the underneath quick game. He doesn't have the patience. He's going to take his shots every now and then because he didn't say this, but I'm saying this. It's in his nature. That's mm-hmm. just who he is. And I think also that played a role here. It was testing Sark's patience as a play caller in a different way. As you pointed out, Patrick, it was asking him, all right, you know what? We're going to give you this running game because we know you don't like to win that way. We, go, we know you want to close with the running game, but yeah. you don't want to open with the running game. That's not in your nature. You want spectacular, you know, uh, mind-blowing um, plays that bring the crowd to their feet with all of this elaborate design and pre-stamp motions and shifts and all this great eye candy. That's what Sark wants. Matter of fact, you can argue it drives him as a play caller. Yeah. He's, he's even admitted it. He's even admitted that he likes the crowd to be excited about the plays he's calling. He's admitted that. He's admitted he likes the players to be excited about the plays he calls. That's why he calls a lot of trick plays. He's like, oh, no, I want them invested in the plays. I like when they're excited about the play calling. So he's admitted that there are outside factors affecting yeah, yeah. his play calling. And I think in this game, instead of being patient as a coach and deciding, you know what, let's just go with what works. The running game is working. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If they stop the running game, great, and then we'll figure out another solution. Right now, we're, we're moving the ball six yards a pop. We're averaging more yards per rush than yards per attempt in the passing game. Let's run it. That is not in Sark's nature. We all know that. Yeah. We all know him very well, and we know him well enough to know he's, he's done great this year developing and evolving as a play caller. I think now he is becoming a chess master, but he got outcoached in this game, and he lost the battle of adjustments, and it was mostly because he became impatient, and he did not wanted to win this game by running the football. Quinn Ewers, basically, they, guys, they only had 18 handoffs in this game to running backs. 18? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, 51 passes? Yeah, ne- neither running back got 10 carries. Crazy. Yeah, yeah and it's, I, I mean, and, and I, I get, too, that you can look at it and go, it's a lot easier to win the coaching battle if you have Michael Penix, who plays like that, instead of Quinn, who didn't have a terrible game, but the first half wasn't good. No. And so, you know, that's fine. But if you're if you look at it, and I think there's probably 100 coaches in college football that said, if you can give me a, a eight yards of carry, seven yards of carry, I'll win every single game. And I think that was where Sark just couldn't get into his head. Let's just like, and, and there was two fumbles, which will give him an excuse that he can't do it. They were mm-hmm. down. They did not have a lead at any point in this game. So there wasn't a point where they could say, you know, we, we could run the ball we and do that. The game. We but at the same point, there was a lot of time left, which clearly there was enough. There was enough time left that you somehow had a shot at the end of this game. Yes, and I'll give them. I'll give a lot of credit to oh, Texas. Huge. Yeah, because that's take a lot of grit and fortitude to be able. Because rewatching the game, I still am dumbfounded and stupefied <laughs> how Washington didn't milk the clock. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, on the last like three drives for them, they did it. They had that field goal drive, so that's out of it. But they had another drive early on. It was more on Kaylee DeBoer where he threw it. I want to say on 
five to six consecutive plays that took less than a minute off the clock at the beginning of the fourth quarter when they were up by 13 points, and it was inexplicable. It didn't make any sense. And I think that that drive alone, if you had just run the football, looking back in retrospect, one or two times on that drive, I don't know if Texas has enough time to even put together a drive at the end of the game to come back. And he instead of kneeling the football when they got the ball back with like two minutes left or a minute left or under, they ran the football, giving Texas an opportunity to strip the football. Then you also get Dylan Johnson hurt would stop the clock when you were supposed to milk it down to 15 seconds for Texas. They ended up getting 50 seconds. Those were miscalculations and bad coaching decisions by Kellen DeBoer. And he's a hell of a coach, coach of the year. So I told you not all the coaches are – not all these guys are perfect by any stretch, but he made better decisions overall throughout the game than Sark did. And I think his adjustments were better than Sark's. Yeah, and I mean – yeah, and there was like – and we can say Michael Penix made a mistake of there was a play where he threw the ball away near the end of the game. And if you just go, take two steps inside. You're right. Take two steps inside. Right because you stopped the clock. And if you could have wreck, you know, wrecked off another 40 seconds by just going down, the yardage didn't matter. Mm-hmm. At that point, you, you just go down and you'll, you'll save more time. And so there was plays like that where it was just, you know, you weren't you weren't thinking game management at that point. You were trying to win the game, which that's is, true. you know, you, you played that's, to win the game. That, that's hard to do. <laughs> that's hard to do in the moment. Uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, the Dylan Johnson thing too. Hearing the stories of how beat up he was going into the Pac-12 championship game, where he said he was so drugged up he didn't know what he was doing, and Kalen DeBoer just told him, "Don't fumble." Wow. And he said, "Okay, I won't." Wow. And and he got up. He was like, "I didn't even really know what was happening because how bad he was hurt, and still having him carry the ball at the end, and then the injury go down." But that was the point he said, he goes, luckily I have a high pain threshold. And then you see him rolling around the field, you're like, that seems like that hurts. Exactly. <laughs> if this guy's got a high pain threshold, then I don't I, I feel bad for what actually has taken place. And I'm with you, I don't I don't understand that. You just added another great reason. The guy was already hurt, so why yeah. would he be in there to take that Kind of, it's not a meaningless carry, but it's definitely a carry where you 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 have one goal: hold on to the ball. You don't care about positive yeah, yeah. yards. You don't care about anything. You really could have just given the guy the ball and told him to to, to fall. Yeah. Which probably would have worked out better for you. Yeah. Because at least he wouldn't have gotten hurt on that play. Uh, and they wouldn't have been able to stop the clock with the injury timeout. Um, so, yeah, I think that was the big the thing that bothered me the most was Texas did not avoid the third and longs. Um, 54% of their third downs ended up being third and longs. That number for Washington defense, by the way, for perspective, uh, for Washington's opponent, is usually 20%. So, usually Washington's defense forces their opponents into third and long 20% of the time. Yeah. They did it to Texas 50 Four percent of the time, like exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. how, how does that happen? And Texas, by the way, Texas offense is usually in third and long twenty point four percent of their plays. They're in third and seven plus. So it was out of character for Texas to be that bad uh, and to be in third and long situations, and it was out of character for Washington's defense to overachieve to that extent to force an opponent into third and long that many times. Yeah. There you go. Uh, okay, another side. Let's go to the other side of the ball. We're talking about the Texas offense versus uh, that defense. And by the way, since we're talking about the Washington defense, we'd be remiss but not mentioning Braylon Trice, who is just he's just a grown man. I saw this tweet from my man C.J. Vogel, so I'll give him credit. So how about this little nugget for you, uh, Patrick? Talk about X-Factors. Braylon Trice had eight pressures, according to my man C.J. Vogel uh, on here. The rest of UW had six. The rest of the whole team had six. <laughs> He had two sacks. Uh, the rest of the team had zero. He had three tackles for loss, and the rest of the uh, Washington defense had two. He was a man possessed. He was a one-man wrecking crew. Literally, yeah. he was out there just wrecking shot, man. And Texas didn't really have a plan for him. So, 
yeah, that's the defensive MVP. There's no doubt. Oh, no, no, no doubt at all. I mean, the secondary played better than we thought they were, but, you know, part of that secondary, too, is making Quinn have to make quick decisions and have and not give him time back there. And yeah. they were able to do it enough and, and, you know, had the game plan of, you know, bringing some pressure on one side and wherever the side was kind of overload one side and let Braylon Trice just take over That's on the other. Point. Isolate him on a, a, a one-on-one. Yeah. Just trying to get and, those. And so the other pressure, you could feel the pressure on one side mm-hmm. and then he would come on the other. And Quinn has to get the ball out because he can see, well, the, way, the other way I'm going to run, there's guys. Yeah. So there's not really a lot of room for me to run away from him either. Uh, it. I mean, and Quinn did good in a couple of positions to get away from. He ran, missed, missed. Yeah. You know, blocks, and there was times where guys came basically untouched, mm-hmm. and he was able to still get the ball out in time. So it wasn't so much that that was a problem. He had too many tip passes in the game. He had too many. Yeah, we he, where he just kind of missed where the you know just kind of threw off him and JT Sanders near the end of that game. Two plays in a row. Miscommunications where are it just, crucial two-minute drill. Yeah, it's like, and, both them, and I think I, it kind of looked like was JT Sanders like, I'm in the middle of the field. Why are you throwing me the ball? X-Man had one of those. Yeah, it's remember, like. I mean, it was a deep ball where yeah. he and Quinn miscommunicated on where Quinn, I thought Quinn threw it in a nice spot and yeah. X-Man was, d- didn't see it, missed the release point. It yeah. was weird. They had a few of those. You're right. They had like three or four of those in the game. Yeah, so I don't know what I don't know what the timing or what was off on that. but The layoff, man, that month layoff. That month layoff. It looked like it affected the rhythm. Of the yeah, offense. and I mean, uh, yeah, it it just seems that this is, uh, you know, one thing we can say about Kalen DeBoer that with anything else, and I know Sark has done a playoff with Alabama, so mm-hmm. he can't say he fully has no experience in this, but Kalen DeBoer has done playoffs in the smaller oh, yeah, levels. Yeah, you're right, in AI enough levels. of yeah. knowing how to take time off, then come back, and then playoff games and training and doing that. So it's not at the, the level he's at, but that timing of trying to get guys in and knowing how to guys get guys up for it, he does have a lot of experience in because he did that a lot when he was at Sioux Falls. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that where you maybe say he just knew how to get his team ready for a playoff game, maybe more than Sark did. I don't disagree with that because I think he's. I think it's fair to say he's a better big game coach than yeah. Sark. And Sark's won big games too. Kevin DeBoer has won a lot of big games. He's yeah. only lost like 11 games in entire coaching career. Yeah. I mean, that guy's real mean, deal. Yeah, we saw him beat Oregon twice, neither one at home. That's hard to do. First of all, they basically beat Texas twice in the season too, guys. Yeah. It's hard to beat a team, any team, twice in the same year. That's why yeah. in the NFL we talk about the division races, playing a team twice in the same year. That's tough to do in football, and Oregon's done it to, to two really good teams. Beat them twice basically in the same calendar year. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a great point to bring up there. And also, going back to another point you brought up, the pass deflections. Yeah, there are yeah. at least five, I think, batted passes on the front line for Washington. And I'm going to go out of my way and say that they did that um, as their adjustment to the RPO game. Yeah. And it also kind of goes to mechanics from Quinn, too. And I wonder, I'm mainly talk to a quarterback guy and see if they can give me clarity on it. Is it his release point um, when he's throwing from certain arm angles with those with those RPOs? Because maybe he gets really relaxed with them, right? And, and yeah, times, yeah. You can tell he's kind of just sidearming. And he's got a golden arm. So he gets that reprinted yeah. velocity, and he gets there accurately, ball placements on the money. But I wonder if at times the release point's a little low. It, and maybe Washington noticed it. And they're like, hey, guys, you ain't going to get there because it, it comes out too quickly. And they love the quick game, which is basically RPO yeah, yeah. is the quick game plus the run game. So just get your hands up because the release point is low enough. They don't have, like, really tall defensive linemen. They don't have Alfred Collins over there. They ain't got Tavondre no. Sweats over there. They got smaller guys over there, but they still were able to get their hands on the balls. And I think it may be a release point thing. It may be because some of those passes, too, you they're 12 yards down. The, and you're like, they, there should be enough. 
Arch on this. Yeah. That you're getting the ball over the line. He's, he's like, you're, you're, not a small guy. you're not Drew Brees. Yeah, you're not Dylan Gabriel, dude. Like, you, got, you got height on you. So I, I wonder if it's like he's just releasing a little low yeah. on some of them throws. Hey, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, that's if Quinn is coming back. It will be discussed. Oh, well, I guarantee you, team's going to add it now to the blueprint. Yeah, it's like, you 100%. know what? We got to get our hands up on this guy. Maybe we can bat a few balls. But, and what Texas was actually really good at was a one-two that they did a lot this season of Tavondre being the guy coming and grabbing pressure and Byron Murphy being the guy with his hands up. Mm-hmm. And you might have seen that some of the game plan, too, to let Braylon Trice go at him and with the other guys go overload, but don't you don't necessarily have to rush as much as get your Keep hands up. Lane. He's going to go in there, yeah. going to force him right to you, he then you throw, and then he's going to arm angle it because he's moving. And when he likes to move, he maybe doesn't get his feet set and get the arm up high enough. But I agree with you. Those passes just I test from one watch of it when watching the game last night. Yeah. It it didn't look like they should have been tipped as many were. And they, and they weren't tipped like the tip of the top of the fingertips. No, they were blocked, blocked forward. Yeah, they were like knocked to the point yeah. where the ball was like uh, moving all crazy and it lost all of its, uh, its spiral. It, it, yeah, it's, yeah. So I'm with you. I, I don't know what it is, but I may have to go back and look at it, and I wouldn't be surprised if other teams are doing the same thing. All right, we come back. We will hear from Steve Sarkeesian, and we'll hear from uh, the, the player. I think we'll hear from Jalen Ford. He's up Jaylen there Jalen Ford and Quinn Ewers. And Quinn Ewers as well. So we'll just let uh, uh, Sark's uh, post-game uh, media availability, we'll uh, let you hear that audio when we come back. Uh, this is Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby, live on 1019 and AM 1260. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Day. The Hook'em Up with E and Rod B Playoff Recap Show on the Horn is presented by Hayes City Store and the Taste on Main. Welcome back to Hook 'em Up with E and Rod B, except it's just, well, not just Rod B, but no E, because E is on his way back to the ATX. Got my man Patrick Davis, host of the Sports Complex. You can catch it four to six uh, weekdays right here on The Horn. Um, and uh, before we uh, get back to some more conversation about the Texas-Washington game, the whole entire show has basically been devoted to Texas-Washington. Let's hear from Steve Sarkeesian and hear from Quinn Ewers and uh, hear from Jalen Ford, two of the leaders on this Texas football team, about their uh, disappointing loss to Washington um, and hear them reflecting on uh, last night's matchup. Here it is. Okay. Um, I think, first of all, uh, you know, I'll go backwards, but the resiliency our team showed uh, in that fourth quarter to, to find a way to have an opportunity to win the game. I think is indicative of the character that we have on this team and the men that we have in that locker room. Uh, those guys are fighters. They fought together. Uh, as, as bleak as it looked there, they never gave, you know, gave up hope and, and they believed. And I think that's how you give yourself a chance in the end. Um, I feel for them because of, I know how much they poured into this uh, entire season. 
but like I told them in the locker room, you know, we came into this season to be champions, and they are. They're Big 12 champions, and they should be very proud of that. Uh, they were they were a second away from from playing for a national championship, and so there's a lot to be proud of on this football team. Uh, unfortunately, in the game, you know, we, we dug ourselves a hole uh, with some self-inflicted wounds. Um, and, and give credit to Washington. They played a very good game. Uh, you know, the Penix got hot. They made some plays, some big plays down the field. Um, and, and when they extended the lead, you know, we, we got a little bit out of game plan to try to fight our way back into it. Uh, but we found a way to get a couple stops and, and force some field goals uh, that gave us a chance to get back into the game. Uh, but in the end, uh, came up short. And, but, but there's nothing to hang our heads about. You know, these guys fought. And I'm very, very proud of the effort that they put into it. We'll open it up for questions. Please raise your hand, and we'll get a microphone to you. We'll start in the front row on the left side. Joe Cook with Inside Texas. Steve, can you go through those last four uh, play calls inside the 12 and starting with the, the swing pass to Jay? Did yeah, he was more of a check down on the play. Uh, we were looking for an opportunity for for JT or Jay Witt, trying to create a one-on-one -on -one matchup for those guys to go high point it. Um, you know, naturally they, they they did a good job defending it, and Quinn did a good job of just getting the ball out to to um, to Blue um, with a chance in space, but it had to get out of bounds. It's a it's a tricky situation in that you're out of timeouts, and so we have to be very careful that we don't complete a ball short of the goal line, or pretty much the game's going to end at that point. So when you're forced to throw it into the end zone each time. It makes it difficult, especially when they're defending the end zone. Uh, so we were just trying to create some matchups um, with some different route combinations to to create some one-on-ones and to give uh, give our playmakers a chance to make a play. And um, we just weren't quite able to do it, you know. So that, that's the way it goes sometimes. We'll stay in the front row. Um, Quinn, can you kind of take us to those final three plays and just kind of the, I guess, the pressure Washington got in those last two? Yeah, like Coach Rex was saying, we were just trying to take a shot at the end zone, um, obviously, because if you fall short, like you said, the game's going to be over. So, um, you know, I just was looking to give my guys an opportunity to go make a play at the end of the day. Um, you know, that's all you can really do. Front row. Eric Henry, Horns 24-7. His questions for Steve. Steve, I was wondering if you could just talk about the challenge to get pressure on Michael Penix and just kind of the, the challenge that that placed on your secondary to defend against guys for a long time. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, we, there were times we did create some pressure. We, we just couldn't get him on the ground, um, and that was probably the most frustrating part. You know, he was, he was elusive in the pocket, uh, and, he, and he did a good job of, of avoiding the rush and then keeping his eyes uh, and then I thought they did a good job of, of taking advantage of some one-on-one -on -one matchups um, when they got them. And it just kind of felt like every time they, they threw it and we were in pretty good coverage, they made the play, you know, and then that, that's a credit to them. You know, they're, they're, they're a good offense and a good passing offense especially. Uh, it showed. Um, we just couldn't get them on the ground. We couldn't generate enough pressure. Um, you know, uh, I, I thought our guys were fighting with the pass rush. You know, we, we couldn't we couldn't put enough pressure on the on the tackles. Quite frankly, to get a holding call to even get them off schedule. You know, they really played on schedule all night, and that makes it difficult. The times we did get them into some third and longs, we had the ability to get off the field, um, but we just couldn't get them on the ground. You know, I thought there were some decent pressures in there. Uh, we just didn't get them on the ground. We we'll go to the right side, second row. Uh. 
Steve, I don't know if you feel like the 30 days off maybe affected y'all's offensive rhythm more. It just didn't seem like y'all were quite in sync like you were yeah, all we, year. Yeah, to your point, you know, I, I think for whatever reason, we had some uncharacteristic kind of anxiousness at the line of scrimmage, you know, where we had, we had different people kind of with false start penalties, you know, and um, those things are difficult because sometimes, you know, we're trying to play – Let's get to second and five, and now we can operate. And then you get a false start, and it goes back at second and ten. Um, or you, you do something on, on first and ten, it's incomplete, that's okay. Then you false start, it's second and 15. So those were some things that were a little disappointing. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the layoff, layoff or just, you know, sometimes being in, in the environment and you're a little excited to go play. Um, but, but I thought we rebounded from those things. And, and, you know, we ran the ball really well early in the game. Uh, but like I said, when you, when you fall behind, uh, it, it kind of stressed us where we had to kind of not, not lean on the run like we wanted to. And uh, I thought that really changed as much of the game as anything to where, you know, we, we really couldn't lean into the run and, and then, you know, complement it with the passing game. We had to really start throwing it and then mix runs when we could. We'll stay on the right side, front row. Jalen, what did you say to your guys after the game? After the game, uh, I just told him I was proud of him. Uh, kind of like what Coach is saying, like you know, uh, this whole year we sacrificed a lot, and um, in order to build this team into the way we wanted it. And you know, I, I think, like he said, at the end of that, like we we went all the way up, uh, up into the last play. And you know, I'm just proud of my guys for never giving up. Uh, not once did I ever believe that you know until that clock hit zero, that we didn't have a chance. So. All right, we'll go to the left side, second row. Uh, Terry Middleton, Horns Illustrated, Coach Sarkeesian. You talked about the resilience of the team, the fight until the last second. Is this something that you guys practice, or is this just the culture or the character of the team? Uh, it's a belief, you know. Um, you know, we push our guys hard. Uh, like, like I told them in the locker room, this has been a 12-month journey. You know, we, we started winter conditioning last January, and, and those workouts aren't always fun. All right, but we're building character in those workouts. Um, it's cold. We go in the morning. Um, we practice really hard. Our practices are demanding. Um, our summer workouts, when we run in DKR in the afternoon and it's 120 degrees, that's for a reason. It's to, it's to build character and it's to develop the mental toughness and the resiliency. And then we get to training camp and we practice hard. And and there's a belief in our style and what we do and. And I think it showed this season. You know, there, there was a lot of games that came down to the wire for us this year. We found a way to win. And we put ourselves in position again tonight to, to, to have a chance to win the game. It just didn't happen. Uh, but I think that that just speaks to the, the mental toughness that these guys have, the resiliency, um, and also the, the, the connection that they have for one another. That, you know, just like Jalen said, these guys never lost faith. You know, they believed that, that we were going to win that game. And it was just how. <laughs> that was the biggest thing is, well, how are we going to do it? And we, we know we're going to. It's just how. Um, and unfortunately, we, we came up short tonight. But that's, you know, that's the life of sport. You know, when you get into sport, um, all you can do is, is put forth maximum effort um, in your preparation get yourself in the right frame of mind, and then play as hard as you can. And in the end, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. And either way, that should build character, and that should, that should 
help these guys in whatever they end up going and doing in life that how to go about your business on a daily basis and put yourself in position to be successful, you got a chance in this life. And uh, hopefully they, they, they can walk out of this season knowing that. We'll stay on the left side in the front row. Uh, Coach, uh, Anwar Richardson, orangebuzz.com. Coach, uh, obviously you've been building uh, over the last couple of years to get to this point. How do you then, going forward, maintain this level of success and then kind of, kind of building forward to, kind of, to get to the ultimate goal where you want to be? Well, I, I think that we have to make sure that um, this doesn't just happen, right? It took 12 months of hard work. Um, you know, we have to we have to make sure that that complacency doesn't set in. We got to be mindful of that, and then we go right back to the foundation of building the team. Like I said, in in those things that I discussed, whether it was winter conditioning, spring ball, summer workouts, training camp. Culture Wednesdays, all the things that we do, um, make sure that we still handle our business in the classroom, make sure that we, we still handle our business uh, in, in, in our community, um, because I think that that ultimately, you know, you have to rebuild the character each year of your team. And um, we have to be mindful that it doesn't just happen. You have to, it takes hard work. And um, I think that, that there's a lot of lessons to be learned that the value of that hard work that we put in is the reason that we're in this position. So we're going to have to get right back to it again. We'll go to the right side, second row. Uh, Kirk Bowles from the Austin American Statesman. Uh, Quinn, it looked like you hit your head on the turf in the first half. I don't know if you were treated for a concussion or examined for a concussion. And the second part is why did you feel like it was so hard to get Xavier and uh, A.D. Mitchell involved in the offense more? Yeah, I mean, I hit the back of my head a little bit, got examined, um, but was cleared, obviously. Um, I mean, you just go out there and try to execute plays and, and, and put the ball where you think it's going to go. Um, and it's hard to say why I didn't do certain things. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't like to play the what-if game at all. But um, we just go out there and try to execute each play to the best of our abilities. And, um, yeah. Okay, we'll go to the back of the right side. Coach Justin Gooseman, uh, Texas Student Television. In the second half, it looked like a lot of the receptions were more in the flat, whereas in the first half, a lot of the plays that Washington had offensively were more down the field. Uh, was that more of a scheme adjustment? Was that just something that they were doing offensively that was putting you guys in some difficult situations? Can you just explain the difference in their first half attack versus the second half attack? It's probably a better question for Coach DeBoer quite frankly, um, you know, all, we, we try to, you know, obviously, you know, try to protect ourselves a little bit more against the deep ball. Uh, and maybe that's the reason the ball was going out to the flat. But I, I don't know if that was their intent or not. That, 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 like I said, that's probably a better question for him. I'll go to the left side, second row. Uh, yeah, Quinn, uh, Ted Lewis, Matthias McHugh, New Orleans. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but uh, a year from now, the uh, winner of the SEC will be here playing host in the quarterfinals. Can you envision Texas being in this position, or does it hurt too much right now to think that far ahead? I mean, I guess I'm a human being, and I understand um, what's ahead. But at the same time, there's, there's, a, there's a long ways in between here and a year from now. Um, you know, a lot can happen in 365 days. So, um, but I know that we're going to 
work as hard as we can to um, try to be back, and that's that's all we can really do is attack attack the off season um, the right way, um, and just continue to build this team to what it's what it's capable of being. All right, left side along the aisle. Uh, Andrea Adelson, ESPN.com. Quinn, we can just see the emotion on your face. I don't want to guess how you're feeling, so I was just hoping you could take us through your emotions now as you're sitting here, you know, thinking about how this game ended. Yeah, you know, it's tough, especially losing a close game like this. Um, but, you know, you take a step back and you look back at the entire season. Um, I'm proud of the way that um, we attacked each week. And for us to have the opportunity to, to even play here is just we're the whole I know the whole team's beyond grateful for this opportunity that we had today. And um, I, th- I, I think we all played our hearts out and um, I don't question anybody's effort in that in that in that room, in that locker room at all. But I couldn't be more proud of the way that we attacked this year because I know <clears throat> most of y'all didn't believe that we would be here right now. So um, and we're going to continue to just focus on the opinions inside our four walls and. Um, continue to build. Go to the right side. Uh, Jeff Howhorns, 24-7 Quinn. When you guys got down 13, just kind of walk through uh, your mindset, what you were saying to guys to, to kind of make that comeback, and then uh, for Sark, just evaluate Quinn's performance tonight. Um, I mean, going down 13, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that we were talking about was just one play at a time. You can't You can't get all 13 points back in one single play, so um, you know, the small wins turn into big wins. So just trying to trying to get back on track, and um, I think we did a good job of that. Yeah, I thought Quinn had a really gutsy performance tonight. Um, <clears throat> thought he utilized his legs extremely well. Um, you know, they were, they were really trying to deploy and match routes and cover people. Um, and, and when that happened, he, he found some running lanes to, to use his legs to extend plays. Thought he made some big time throws at critical moments, um, especially late in the ball game. Um, Give us a chance to win. You know, down 13 in the fourth quarter with not a lot of time left, and you know we had the ball in the 12 with the whatever it was uh, with a chance to win the ball game. And that that doesn't happen unless unless he's playing his heart out and, and making some really big time throws for us. All right, there you go. Uh, that's Quinn uh, Ewers, Jalen Ford, and, of course, Steve Sarkeesian in the postgame uh, discussing their loss to the Washington Huskies. Um, all right, we come back. We'll, uh, I'll give you a couple other nuggets about this matchup. We'll be talking about the postmortem of Texas loss to Washington all week long. But I got a couple other nuggets about Kalen DeBoer um, as a head coach, which I think are a little uh, – yeah, I think are very impressive. Not a little impressive. They're very impressive. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, more macro discussion about Texas football and where this loss to Washington leaves the program. We'll get into that and more. All of that coming up right here on Hook Em Up with Ian Rodby. Last segment of the day right here on 1019 and AM 1260. The Hook Em Up with Ian Rodby playoff recap show on the horn is presented by Hayes City Store and the Taste on Main. Welcome back to uh, the show. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. A little different, a little remix to hook him up with Ian Rod B because my man E. Hogan headed back from New Orleans. So uh, he'll be uh, in the ATX tomorrow. Everybody who's also headed back. 
from the New Orleans to wherever you are from, Texas and Dallas, Houston, Austin, whatever, please be safe on the road there. Um, also, uh, want to uh, remind everybody, tomorrow we are back, all right? Same time, same yep. channel, everything will be back. My man Patrick Davis will join me right now. He is the host of the Sports Complex, 4 to 6. That will be back tomorrow as well. Um, so the, all your regularly scheduled programs will be back on and added uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, before, yeah, if, if, okay. Ty, if Ty survives New Orleans. We don't know. If we, yes, we I have heard. not heard from Ty. So yeah, no. I don't know what – I don't even – because Ty wasn't with E just now, was he? No, but I, I mean – Ty was if Ty was not working the morning show, there's no way he was waking up for the morning. No, show. No, I know, but I I don't know the status of Ty because I haven't heard anything from him. Last thing I heard from Ty <laughs> was when before he left. So like that Thursday, I think I heard from Ty. But after that, I, I don't know what's going I know, on. I with talked Ty. to him. I talked to him on. Uh, I talked to him before the game, I believe, and okay. or, or I talked to him Monday morning. And uh, his phrase was, "This is the biggest day of my adult life." <laughs> <laughs> no, I know he was he was thinking about getting a tattoo to commemorate the event in Texas one and all that kind of stuff. So obviously, hope he didn't get the tattoo beforehand to I commemorate the event. Uh, but remember, he's got a Longhorn tattoo commemorating like uh, Vince Young and the, yes, the, the last national title. Yeah. So he's serious about it now. He might he yeah. might he's, he was going to New Orleans and I think if they won, he was going to get a tattoo. <laughs> that was the vibe that he was giving out. But I haven't heard from him. And Texas losing and the way they lost, it's very possible that Ty made some bad decisions down there in New Orleans. <laughs> so I hope he's okay. And I think Ty's going to be back with the crew as well. Well, uh, but you're right. I, I never know about Todd, man. So I'm always hoping that Todd's <laughs> taking care of himself. Okay, um, the, uh, the the Washington Huskies. I get back to uh, something impressive about that win and about Kalen DeBoer. I just found it so nugget about Kalen DeBoer, and it may give you reason to pick Washington even as another underdog in the national title game versus Michigan. I believe the line now says they're a four and a half point dog. In that game, they were a four. Was it a four point dog? Four, they they opened at four and a half, though. I think against Texas. Did they opened at four and a half. Four, okay, yeah. there you go. And I think it went to like three at one point, and then went yeah, back yeah. up. Whatever. Man, Washington and Caleb the boy love being the underdog. They are. They got that dog in them. That underdog. Yes. Uh, Caleb the boy five and zero straight up, and five and zero against the spread as an underdog at Washington. The uh, only coach, uh, only coach two and zero straight up or better as a dog since he was hired. So he. Overall, Kevin Boy is six and one straight up. That's eighty six percent win percentage as an underdog with Washington and Fresno State. So you're talking about an eighty six percent win percentage as an underdog at Washington and at Fresno State as a head coach. That is the best underdog. You got that dog in him. The best underdog win percentage for a college football coach in the last thirty years since nineteen ninety. He's a he's a he's just a he's, great underdog. Whatever yeah. mastering that, and maybe you you brought it up about his experience at the NAIA level. Uh, you know, being a, a coach there at that level, maybe it's something about that lower level in those playoffs. He's a big game coach, but in big games where he's an underdog, he's even better. I mean, we saw the 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 discipline that you know Texas did, mm-hmm. got the the penalties that that Washington didn't get, and you know people will say. Well, why did Texas get holds and they didn't? The holds that Texas got were holds. They were obvious. They they were ones that you watch on the replay, and as much as I want to complain and be a homer, they'd show the replay and he went, ah, you can't do that. Looks like a hold to me. <laughs> and so I'm sure Washington held too. Everybody holds on every play. We know that. So, uh, But none were that obvious. Mm-mm. 
I agree with you. And it, think about all the pre-snap penalties. That's yeah. no way for a, a, an official, you know, to 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 cheat that or an official to be no. biased toward a, like, a I mean, pre-snap I, penalty was, or a false start. Is one as, as good as Kelvin Banks is. We did one false start he had where even he hung his head afterwards. And like, oh. just like ah, I just messed up. And it's just that. And Washington didn't do that. And yeah. that's I think that's part of Kalen DeBoer and what he has with this team uh, of just a very well disciplined machine. And to get a guy like Michael Penix who fit perfectly and I mean mm-hmm. machine like is what you could describe that accuracy. Yeah. No, it, it he, he I gotta go back and check. Guys, that might have been his best game ever. Like some people were saying it might have been his best game he's ever had potentially. I gotta go back and look. But yeah. e- even if it's in that realm on this stage versus Texas, the caliber of opponent Texas is, that is amazing. And it is why, listen, I wouldn't I would not count them out. I would not honestly. I think I might be ready to pick Washington in that matchup versus Michigan. I know it sounds crazy, but and it, and it is kind of crazy because matchup wise, they don't have the roster and talent wise to compete with Michigan. But they didn't have the talent roster wise to compete compete with Texas. If you look at blue chip ratio, they're the only team in the college football playoff that is less than a fifty percent blue chip ratio, which is the ratio or uh, the percentage of four and five star recruits on your roster. Yeah, no, and, and I mean that 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 battle of O line versus D line, that Michigan D line that was just mm. destroying five sacks on Jalen Miller in the first half of that game. That was wild. So I mean, if you have that, that that's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch yeah. to see who can win that battle. But that that O line, it handled, it did what it needed to do against Texas. I mean, it Tom, did exactly. Tom, Outland Trophy winner Devondre Sweat just double team, and they it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I expected Texas to be able to make more plays uh, yeah. in their defensive front. And they made some plays. They pretty much just stopped the run. But in terms of pressuring Penix, I don't know if there's anything Texas could have done. He just moves in the pocket like Houdini. Savvy. Yeah. I mean, just he made himself a lot of money. A lot of NFL scouts buzzing about Michael Penix now. So nothing to be ashamed of if you're a Longhorn fan. Uh, basically, you lost to the best quarterback in the country, a lot of people are saying, having his best performance best of game. the season. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, Patrick, any last thoughts before we get out of here? Hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. As oh, positive yeah. it is, this is this is probably the best season end and a loss that we have had in in a long time. That's a great point. I don't feel like crap. No, I don't. <laughs> Actually, I, know. I feel I, hopeful. I feel hopeful about it, and I hope Longhorn fans feel hopeful too. We'll be talking about it tomorrow, of course. Patrick will be talking about it as well on the Sports Complex 4 to 6 tomorrow. Until then, same time, same channel. Remember, the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about it right here on Hook Em Up with Ian Rodby. Peace.